Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. All right, guys, my name is Jody Burkeen. I am the host tonight of the Man Up God's Way podcast. It is another Monday night where we come to you live at 8 o'clock Central Time every single Monday night, and we're glad that you're here. You are here. If you'll take a moment, uh, would you share this with your friends and family on your social media? You can also go to any podcast platform to download or subscribe to our podcast platform, and you can see... Uh, 47 other podcasts that we had over the year of 2022, and we are already booked through June of 2023. So we've got an exciting year this year uh, coming up, and uh, we hope that you will join us by subscribing to any of the podcast platform. You can listen to it in your car while you exercise or while you're just sitting around the house, and we would love for you to do that as well. The way that we support our podcast is through our manupmerch.com page. It's where you can get all the, the good stuff that we have. We've got this hoodie. Uh, it's getting cold right now. I know here in St. Louis, we're supposed to get minus five by Friday, and uh, I am not looking forward to it at all. I think even on Christmas Day, uh, we are supposed to be in the negative numbers, so I will be wearing this hoodie quite often throughout that. It's good and warm. It's got a big old hood on it, and it is thick. It's got some good pockets in the front if you get an opportunity. Also, uh, for those of you who don't know, I've got a few books out there. Um, uh, the best-selling Amazon book is called uh, Man Up, Becoming a Godly Man in an Ungodly World. It's only $10 in paperback as well as Kindle. There is also an audio version that you can get uh, for those guys who travel quite a bit. It's a it's a good listening uh, book as well. I call it a two-seater. And what I mean by that is uh, within a couple of seats, if you put this on the back of the toilet, a couple of seats, you'll be done with it. So <laughs> nice and easy. And then here's a little bit more theologically stout book. Um, this is called Pursuit of a Godly Life, Living Like Jesus Matters. Second Peter chapter 1, 5 through 12 has the virtues, the characteristics of a godly person. And we wrote that, I wrote that uh, through each characteristics, I wrote a chapter so you'd understand what it meant to grow in your faith and in your knowledge and in your perseverance and in your godliness, um, all the way to love. And so if you get an opportunity to get that as well, it'll help you grow closer to God. And so uh, I'm really excited tonight. I got my guest tonight, Alan Carter with us. Alan, how are you doing tonight, brother? I couldn't be better, Jody. What a blessing to be with you tonight. Thank you for having me. Man, I'm I'm glad you're uh, glad you're here. It's uh, I'm excited to have you on and and talk about uh, some of the things that you have done and uh, allow our audience to get to know you as well. So why don't you start off by telling us your story? Well, I appreciate that, and I will, Jody. I was uh, where to start? I guess I was born and raised in Philadelphia, the only child of an only child. So that definitely colored me a good bit in my life and in Philadelphia. Um, was raised there. Then when I was, we were 14, my dad changed jobs. We moved to Michigan where I was there, went to high school and college in Michigan, then moved to the East Coast, got into the financial services wealth management business, and have been doing that ever since. I live in Chicago now. And as you heard, I'm talking to you from my home in the North Georgia mountains, where it's just a spectacular time of year down here. And thankfully not 
negative one degrees like you're going to get in St. Louis <laughs> this week. But more importantly than all that, I'm a father of three awesome kids. Claire, our eldest, is 28 now. We've got a son who's 26 and our youngest just turned 20. I've got my 30th anniversary in May of next year. And uh, those are the real blessings in my life. And I guess the most important thing above that, too, is my relationship with uh, our Lord Jesus, which uh, is the single uh, guiding thing in my life. Amen. When did you give your life to Jesus? Well, like a lot of guys, um, I'd say that I had an early start and then a rough middle. So it was in high school and uh, but I was off track through college, got focused on some other things in my young adult life. And God, as he, as he does, brought me to my knees a little bit and, uh, yeah, uh, got back on track and have just been loving him and trying to stay in his grace ever since. Mm. And, um, so you, you gave your life to the Lord early and then kind of had some struggles. What were some of your struggles? Um, Kind of growing up, a lot of things, man. I mean, most of anything, it's just the peer pressures, the pressures of life. You know, we think a lot about Jesus's word in the in the parable of the sower. Right. If you don't have deep roots, it's awful hard to grow among the thorns. Right. And uh, that was definitely my journey for a good bit. And uh, I think you know God's grace and mercy are ever present. That's everything. So I couldn't be more blessed by His patience with me. And for all of us as men, right? Uh, we certainly aren't perfect. I know I'm not speaking for myself on that one. No, not at all. It's uh, it's it's a struggle out there uh, to be a man, uh, especially in today's culture. You know, I'm I'm thankful that many times that um, I grew up when I did because uh, when I was growing up. Um, Manliness was not a uh, a bad word or a cuss word uh, like it is today, and um, it wasn't uh, toxic by any means. Um, boys acted like boys, and men acted like men, and uh, I think we all go through the same struggles as men. Like I always say, there's you know, men have five major issues, and it's sex, wives, money, kids, and work, and then we have this one ar- overarching major issue is called pride. And I think we all, I think we all deal with that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different world today and, you know, trying to raise kids, uh, especially young men, I've got two boys and, uh, trying to raise them, uh, to be, uh, the man of God, number one. And then just men in general is not an easy task anymore. I've got one that's 20 and one that's 11 and it's a struggle more and more every day. It is, Jody. And, you know, I think the pride wrapper that you put over those top five is is really interesting. If you think about, you know, ego with men is something. And we've got this uh, this need sometimes to compare ourselves to everyone else. And as you very well know, that just produces a lot of suffering. I mean, as men, we we want to be better than or we want to compete with or we want to value ourselves with the wrong metrics. And that just leads to a lot of unhappiness and a lot of struggle and a lot of things that, you know, God doesn't want us to be thinking about, but right. that's uh, fertile ground for the devil. Right. And uh, we can be easily sidetracked. And you know, another thing too, is when you and I grew up, we didn't have all this social media. Right. So, um, you know, our kids live in that crosshairs of that and that feeds all those things at a level that we didn't experience. So, 
um, you know, my 20 year old of course is in the thick of it and, you know, yeah. her Instagram feeds and all this social media just shows the beauty around her and that everybody's fantastic and perfect and these curated lives. That's tough right. stuff for a lot and of it, our children. And we yeah. got to recognize that that's something they're dealing with daily. And they know exactly where all their friends are. And if they're not in the mix of their friends, you know, they're freaking out. Why weren't they invited? You know, when I was growing up, um, you know, if you tried to call somebody and got a busy signal, uh, you know, you knew and, and people don't know what a busy signal is. Nowadays, <laughs> but, right. uh, used to, you'd have to pick up a phone on a wall with a big long cord. And if you dialed that number, uh, it would give you a bang, 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 or it would ring through if they weren't yeah. on. And, uh, you know, the, the worst thing that would ever happen to us was that you just couldn't get through. You wanted to get through and you just kept dialing over and over and over until you finally got through. Uh, and you didn't know if anybody was doing anything out of the norm until Monday or Tuesday at school. And so you weren't, you weren't overwhelmed by that. And um, it's affecting the kids big time. I see. I mean, even adults, I mean, man, sure. I am, I am on social media way more than I should be uh, just due to the fact that that's on honestly the best way for us to market um, our ministry. And uh, it spent, I, I spent a, a way lot of time and, effort trying to keep that thing going. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't let it affect me or what people say or how they say it or anything like that, like these kids do today. And you've got, um, you had two girls, is that correct? And two a boy. girls, that's right. Yeah. Two, two girls. Two girls and a boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it affects the girls a lot more than it does the boys as far as the social media. hundred percent. I see that. And, uh, especially the younger ones, right? Right. It, it's just almost all encompassing. But you know, the guys are in there, too. I mean, we feel yeah. it. Um, it. You know, back to what I was saying is how we value ourselves as men. Uh, if we don't really use that true north, you know, God's values for us, then we can get sidetracked quickly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's learning balance. You know, that's one of the things that we try to teach at Man Up is is learning to have a balance. And that balance always begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, once you add more of him into your life and into your daily walk, everything else just seems to flesh itself out and to balance itself out. Yeah, no, that's true. It's true. And that comes from that daily prayer, that daily reading of his word, that daily reflection, that all that is so important and easily sidetracked too, right? We can justify a right. hundred different ways not to do that because it requires discipline and effort. Right. And uh, it's easy to skip that one day, two days, three days, and downhill happens quickly then. Right. I, I think most men don't understand it takes discipline to be holy and righteous, you know, and they're, they're lazy to do that. I was just reading about John Wesley, um, you know, three, the, the, I wouldn't call him the founder of the Methodist church because he didn't actually found it. Uh, his followers founded it after he died. Uh, but he had a methodology behind his holiness and righteousness. And I was reading that he used to have this holy club um, at, uh, at the college that he was teaching. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Cambridge. Um, uh, but anyway, they would meet on, um, Wednesdays and Fridays, and then they would meet every night for a major, major study. And he had these 22 questions that he would ask, um, to start off every meeting with. And it was a really cool way just to see, um, how they were trying to dive into each other's lives and how deep they were trying to go in everything that they were talking about. And, 
Uh, I just think men have forgotten that discipline in their life, just trying to trying to learn to be holy and to learn to be righteous. And that's caused a whole lot of problems. Yeah. And no, I think you, you hit it exactly right. Of course, we can look to Jesus on this one. Yeah, I just exactly. was listening yeah. to a podcast if, a few weeks ago on this. And, you know, look, he, the, the speaker was talking about how Jesus disappointed so many people in his ministry. So if you think about it, you know, the expectation, of course, and his disciples thought this is going to be the next king right. and uh, all this stuff. And he was constantly disappointing it. But the one thing he absolutely never failed at was in the middle of everything. He would totally retreat, head off in the wilderness and just pray and be Amen. with his father. Right. And that was in, in, but that's discipline. Like imagine his world, especially when, you know, they were throwing robes and putting palm trees down and, and he would just retreat right. and go away and escape it with that discipline. And yeah, that is the ultimate example for us as men. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's what I, you know, we, we try to do that as much as possible too, is, is point, you know, the best example that we have in the Bible and the best mentor we have is Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, you know, striving to get to that is what scares most men. And uh, I, I think, you know, we need, we need more discipline, not legalism, but we need discipline in our lives that, you know, personal discipline, just learning to read, learning to pray, learning to repent, um, you know, learning to apply these things so we don't get into that uh, way of despair and worry and fear and doubt, which always end up leading us to sin. And um, uh, too many guys don't do that. Yeah, I think that's really true. And, you know, we can get into like why that is. Mm -hmm. But I've been just thinking about this word abide a lot. Of course, abide mm -hmm. is a very that's biblical good. word. And, and it's an invitation to me. You know, sometimes I think we as men view prayer and reading the Bible as just another task on our daily list. Right. And I think what God wants for us is that abiding. He wants mm. us to abide in us and for us to abide in him. And when I remember that and just sit with God, it changes the whole game for me. And right. what becomes a chore then becomes a joy and where we seek it mm. as men and we can That's feel good. God's pull and desire rather than having it just be another item on our daily lists. Mm, all right, that's a good I, I might have to put that on right down to study that that's good abide i like that so you said earlier that uh you were you are or worse in the financial uh sector of business yeah i'm in the okay. wealth management business so okay. i have a team at a major firm that i can't can't uh tell you which one it is just because of that's regulatory fine. reasons i but, understand um, yeah, we uh, we help manage money for uh, hundreds of family around the country. I have about one point one billion dollars that I'm responsible for for families around the country. It's been a joy, man. Wow. I tell you, I've seen firsthand too how money can just add so many burdens to people and create right. so much trouble and dysfunction if it's not kept in perspective. Right. And I also seen the joy that it can bring through giving and through, so, you know, all kinds of things like that. So that's been a great journey and it, just the relationships I've been able to build through that business have been fantastic. That's great. So I, I always, you know, one of the things I always say is I've been rich and I've been poor and both suck when all you do is think about it. 
Um, and, uh, what I've learned later in my life and after I pretty much lost everything financially that I'd built, um, and God gave me what I needed, uh, I learned contentment, um, mm. you know, managing that kind of money and, and knowing the people that have that kind of money, like what would be your advice for, for guys who struggle with, um, you know, putting all their hope in money? Um, putting all their, uh, and to be honest, I think I probably put more of my, um, self-worth in my checkbook than anything. I, I felt, I felt like as if, you know, I, if I had money to talk about, if I had, you know, money to show off, if I had all of these kind of things that, you know, money could buy, then that made me look like a better person. And that was the lie that the enemy was telling me. Now, obviously, at 53 years old and um, on a pastor's salary, I know that that's a lot different. Um, I know I can find contentment without all of those things, but it took me a long, long, long time to figure that out. How would you or how do you try to teach these people or even yourself? I met, um, obviously, you're successful and uh, people trust you and you've done the right thing with, uh, all of their money. Um, how do you get to that place and, and how do you teach others to get to that place? Yeah, well, this is a big topic, man. So I hope we have uh, some time to talk. We about got plenty it. of time. Jody, yeah. This is a, this is huge. Right. And I think it's right. especially interesting for men. I think I found that most of us think about money in a couple of ways. One, it's a security blanket, right? We, right. we, uh, we think about money as, as creating security for us and our families. And of course, that's false. That's a tool of the devil. The second thing is we think about money as a scoreboard. We talked a little bit earlier about how we like to compare ourselves to others. You know, right. are we better than, are we less than, are we not enough? And so money is a tool that we try to employ in that as a measuring stick, right? right? To measure our human success. And that's also flawed. And then another thing is our self-worth. And you brought right. that up. You know, how are we thinking about ourselves? And that's another thing that's, that's false. So those are the big three as it relates to money that I see. And if you take it a little bit further than that, money can be terribly destructive because it's a huge distraction. I right. mean, I'd say it's the top tool that the devil will use to distract us. Oh, I agree with that. Yes. And man, the stuff, right? The endless stuff that you can buy and all the distractions that it provides. And of course, you rightly know and pointed out that every one of those things is a false hope. Right. It truly is. In fact, as I mentioned to you, as we started this discussion, I've just seen money do terrible things with families. Mm -hmm. I mean, it creates just havoc and it just tears families to pieces. So I, I guess you're asking now, what's the secret? I think yeah, exactly. the secret is always just being on our knees and keeping that money in perspective. I will tell you, right? I've been doing this for 29 years. And I will tell you that the happiest people I see give away the most. Wow. Full stop. That's biblical. Now, <laughs> you know, that, there, there's nothing yeah. wrong with very wealthy families. I'm not one of these people who would suggest that you, if you have a lot of wealth, you should absolutely give it all away. Right. I think God uses good stewards of his resources with a purpose. 
Right. So I've seen families with uh, tremendous amounts of wealth, more than a hundred million dollars who are just great stewards of that. And they are actively in the community, changing the outcomes for people, working hard to support missions and changing the outcomes. And that's the way that gift of wealth should be used. And that's when wealth creates outcomes and happiness for the people who wield it. Mm, That's good. That's a good word. Yeah. I've always, uh, I've always known how to make money. I just never knew how to keep it. That was my big problem. (laughs) I had a company, I had a company for 18 years and oh my gosh, a matter of fact, this week, um, I'm in, uh, I'm in school right now going to a seminary and I had a business class. Um, and, uh, I had my final paper due and I, I finished it up today and, uh, it was a business management class. And, the the theme of the paper was uh, take a company, look at its mission and vision statement, look at what it does good, and then tell how you would do it better or what you would add to what they already do. And, you know, most of the, the people in the class are kids, so they, yeah. they're going to pick Nike and McDonald's and all this kind of stuff. So I told the professor, I said, I'm going to pick my old company if that's okay, because I know exactly what I would do different because I screwed <laughs> it up. That's why I don't have it anymore. And uh I just, you know, it was one of those things where we went from, you know, $1,500 and a laptop computer to $3.5 million in less than two years. Um, And I didn't, I couldn't handle it. And then it was right during the crash and the crash happened. And, you know, it was just kind of all these ups and downs. And, um, but, uh, but I always had, you know, I'd become a Christian in 2003. I lost everything at that time. Um, God gave me this vision to start this company. He blessed it. It like took off while I was just growing in, in him. And, um, it just is one of those things that, uh, I got to a place to where after the, you know, the crash of 09 happened, um, I had this, uh, this saying, uh, one of the guys that worked in my office with me, I would say, man, we need a Bing. And it, I, I was like, we need a Bing. And what the Bing was, was an email that would come up on my, you know, my uh, out, uh, inbox. And it would, it would always go Bing. And uh, I would look at it. Oh, it's a purchase order. Okay. All right. So we got a Bing. <laughs> I love and I, that. And I knew that I was screwing things up when I was waiting on a Bing. You know, <laughs> it was just kind of, I just knew that I was in panic mode and, um, you know, this gray hair didn't come from, you know, my wife, it actually came from business, but, uh, it, uh, it, it was one of those things that I look back and every man that I disciple, every man that comes to my church, every man that, um, you know, I come in contact with, it always seems that money is, is a huge issue. Um, and it affects everything else. And, and usually there's always a pinpoint moment where I can find, they stop reading their Bible or they stop going to church or, um, you know, they started, you know, working more than they were doing all the other things. And the next thing you know, they're out of balance and everything's off course. And the first thing that they start looking at is their checkbook and it, it brings panic in. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I totally get that. It's, that's the dangers of it. Of course, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, and this parable is about wealth, how dangerous it can be and how focused we get on it. And we build storehouses for all of it. And then the very next day, our life could be taken away. I mean, right. yeah. So to your point, a lot of this dysfunction comes from it. 
and mm-hmm. I'm really knowledgeable about it. Now, is it easy for me not to be thought thinking about it? No, I mean, wealth right. can be really, it can pollute people quickly. And so right. I think if, if people are blessed with wealth, they've got to be super careful and pray even more around it. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. So consider yourself blessed, Jody, that you're not wealthy yet. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got all, all the crowns I need right now. And so. tell your wife, man, see, this is a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I have, I literally have nothing to complain about. I mean, God provides, uh, in 2018, there was a day that I didn't owe anybody any money and nobody owed me any money with my company. And I literally unplugged the computer. I turned off the phone. I shut the business down and went into full-time ministry. Love that. After 15 years of, uh, you know, having this volatile company that was, it was a manufacturing company. And man, we were just up and down and up and down and up and down. And, uh, I'll never forget like the first month, it was just kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, how are we going to do this? My church was relatively small and couldn't pay me a whole lot, but, uh, what they could pay me was, you know, I basically covered my bills. So I just needed to go out and, you know, I started swinging a hammer and started a little small construction company and, uh, just trying to make ends meet. So it, uh, in the end, and, and the great thing about that was it took me about two months after I shut the company down that I probably had my first night of sleep that I didn't wake up calculating, uh, the business, mm-hmm. you know, like every morning I'd wake up and I go, okay, I got this purchase order. That's 150,000. I got this invoice. That's this and that, you know, and I'd start calculating in my head what I needed, what I needed to do. And, uh, it was uh, learning just to go to bed and um, not think of it. And it was it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So I pray for guys who struggle with that, who struggle with their finances. Uh, uh, and even today, man, I'm just watching God show up and show off. You know, there's there's times I'm thinking, oh, where's the money coming from? And all of a sudden it does. So yeah. God is good. That's so powerful, man. And what a way that we can lean on him. I mean, that's not having that kind of uh, tons of wealth, I think, gives us another powerful reason to become closer to God. Right. So I hesitate to say it's a good thing, and, and but it ain't a bad thing, let's put it that way, right. because a lot of wealth gives us another reason not to be on our knees, right? Right. No, I see that here in uh, in our, our area. We live in a relatively high uh, median income and it's it's really weird because people who have money don't think they need god a lot of times yes and it's not until they hit a down and out situation usually you know um i just preached on this a couple of weeks ago you know hopelessness usually brings hope and they've got to they've got to find some you know whether it's their marriage or whether it's their kids or you know the money won't fix some of those problems and the only thing they can do is sometimes just come to church so um i i see that with a lot of wealthy people and unfortunately they're they're typically you know and even jesus talked about it you know how it's easier for the uh the camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to get into heaven and um it's that's that's a true saying yeah. And, you know, one more thing on this, and I don't want to wear it out, but uh, no, the, pers- the pursuit of wealth is also a big distraction. You know, I've mm-hmm. always been a super type A goal driven person. And a lot of guys are like that, man. We're all I love the expression that men are like bicycles. We have to be moving towards something to sort of stay, you know, upright. 
And so if you're a goal-driven person right. and you put wealth or the pursuit of wealth there, then that's what you're going to be focused on. Right. And you're going to ignore a lot of things. You, you may ignore your family or shortchange your family. You may ignore your spiritual life. You may enjoy, enjoy your, ignore your relationships or your spouse because you're so focused on the pursuit of that worldly treasure. Right. Exactly. That's, that's so true. Um, I, we've, we've got to keep looking vertical. You know, oh, uh, all this yeah. horizontal stuff is, uh, is, is going to burn away. You know, it's going to go, it's going to go somewhere else, uh, outside of the souls that you see, everything else is gone. So. Yeah. Which is, it, and it's interesting. So back to like what you and your organization, the community you're building is, it stands for, I mean, that's the stuff that we have to be fearless about. You know, we can't go along with the world and say, all right, well, we got, got to get the two cars and the nice vacation home. We've got to be focused on, hey, what does God want from me as a man? Mm, and right. what are the principles and the values that I am not going to shortchange, that I'm not going to water down? And what am I going to stand for in this mm -hmm. life? And we've got to be vocal about that as right. men. And so those are the things that we need to be thinking about, not the pursuit of wealth, or I wish I had a little bit more, or I'm worried about this and that, or I need a, another nice new car, or I want this truck. Those are, those things are nice. Yeah. But that's not our core focus and it should never be. Right. Mm, that's good. That's a good word. So how do you balance um, being a Christian man who's outspoken uh, and the professional world. That's a tough one, right? Cause I serve a lot of families who right. aren't necessarily similar to me in terms of faith. Right. So, right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I tell you, my firm would not be happy if I started proselytizing through my work. Understood. So I right. think what I got to do is just live my values, be right. transparent with people about my faith, about how I view the world. I've got to, you know, pursue that Galatians 5:22 and radiate those things right consistently. So right. that's my witness. That's how I approach the business world. And I think yeah, that's how all Christian men should do it, no matter what their line of work, because we certainly can't, even though we may want to and we may be courageous enough, uh, we can't sometimes just tell everybody about Jesus 24/7, even though right. we might want to. That's the great thing about my job. I can. <laughs> you are a blessed man. You are a blessed man. If you're walking into my facility at the church, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear the gospel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, I, I, um, you know, even when I owned my own company, um, I was pretty vocal about it, you know, and, um, I dealt with some big companies, that, you know, I would be on a job site or, you know, we'd send our product there and, you know, go check it out and different things like that. And I was always, you know, I was a pastor back then and, you know, let them know about it and, you know, just try to get conversations to go, but it's getting tough, you know, in the corporate world to, to be able to do that. And, um, I love what you said that you have to live your values out and, um, you know, apply the fruit of the spirit, uh, to go along with it. And that, that usually stands, um, you know, for, you know, the action stands sometimes a lot of times for a lot of words, you know, you don't necessarily have to say a lot of those words because people are seeing that in your, in your actions and in the way you live. So that's a, that's a good, uh, good advice there. Man, I hope so. 
what is the old expression? You have to live your faith. And when you need to, then you use yeah. words. And you use words. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how long have you and your wife been married? Be 30 years in May, Jody. Okay. And uh, I am a blessed man. I married the love of my life and we are just best friends and uh, we love sharing life together. We share our faith as well. And um, I'm very, very blessed and I'm super mindful of families who don't have what we have. Oh yeah. And when we talk more today about, you know, fatherhood and what that means, you know, there's a lot of families who, you know, are single parent households or there's no father present or mom's got to do both or, you know, our family's very, very blessed in that we've had Mary and I shepherd our children throughout and coming up on that 30 year mark. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I just did uh, 32. So um, it, it just gets sweeter and sweeter as, uh, as you go on. So that's cool. That's, uh, that's yeah, awesome. I think that's true, man, because you get to know each other so well, right? Oh, man. Zero shockers at after right. 30 years. Don't, don't, yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't get surprised with anything anymore. No, There's very few times I go, I didn't know that. Uh, I may have said I, I didn't hear you say that, but I didn't. Yeah. But I didn't hear you yeah. So I, I, you know, one of the things I like to talk with, with men about is, you know, their marriage because ultimately, uh, and I know we're going to talk about fatherhood, but you can't be a great father without being a great husband. And um, it it affects the way that you father if you're not uh, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, if you're not sacrificing for her, if, uh, if you aren't unified, if you aren't one flesh, it doesn't really help um, in the parenting. And what we see at Man Up God's Way is a lot of men bypassing their marriage, trying to be really good fathers and then forgetting forgetting about their wife and that just in in the whole scheme of things doesn't work when uh, when you look at the complete package man you just you're right you just can't do it it's interesting and and you know more than most that kids watch us like hawks right. like our kids just are observing everything and they're watching how we treat our wives first and foremost right. they're mothers and they learn from us um, again not using words, they watch our actions and we've got to love and respect and cherish our wives, not just because that's God's call, but because that's where our kids are learning how they'll treat their future wives or husbands. Yes, exactly. That's very good. So you've got um, your oldest is 28 and your youngest is 20. And uh, then you've got one in the middle. Did you say 25? 26, 26. 26. Okay. Yeah. 26. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you tell me, tell me how we'll talk about the, the, the book, uh, letters from a father, but tell, tell us how that began and, and what really was behind that. And, and what, what have you done as a father to pour into your children? Um, one, just to be there in presence number two to teach them about god and um and and three just to to them to to see you and your wife and what were the things that you did um that were uh direct and uh intentful uh, for them to be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of jesus uh yeah jody i mean think all of us as dads are looking for every lever possibly that we can pull on to do all those things, right? I think 
we all do the the basic blocking and tackling, which starts right. with time with them, right? And and church and you know being good examples and all those things that are so important. The book that we'll talk about is just was born from my habit of another letter letter lever that I started to pull, which is just writing a monthly letter to my kids during their teenage years. And so I'm through years of this and there was no magic to this, Jody. Uh, this was just something that, you know, as fathers, sometimes we have a shared experience with our kids, whether it's just in the car or in a mundane event or sharing a vacation, but we blow right by it because right. we're so busy. So for me, the opportunity to, to call to call a halt on it, a timeout, and then go back and say, hey, kids, I was thinking about that experience, and I wanted to just pull on that string a little bit. So I'd craft a letter out of it, and I'd just shoot it to their email inbox. So that happened for years, Jody. Wow. wow. And then at one point, my wife had surfaced a few of these letters to my mom and dad. And remember, I was an only child. And so my mother and father got a hold of these things and they said, they called me one day in tears and they're like, son, you've got to share these. These are, this is too special, man. There are a lot of dads and families who might could benefit from this or use it as a tool in their own families. So I didn't think much about it, but my father, God rest and he uh, went ahead and got an agent and uh, got it copyrighted. <laughs> and the next thing you know, Covenant Books picked, pitched it up and here we are where they've curated a pile of these letters and stuck it in a book. And it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. That is awesome. So, um, what, what made you start doing it? Like, yeah, it was just one of these, like, I wanted to redo on something. So I remember the first time I just, I was, I just had a, was having a great day with the kids and we saw some interesting stuff and, it blew right by me. And a couple of days later, I'm like, wow, I should have mentioned this. You know, mm -hmm. I was able to kind of construct a value to something we saw and pull on it. So I sent him a letter and shot it over to him. And remember, these are teenagers, Jody. Right. So sometimes I'd spend time in these letters and I think about them and pray about them. I craft about them and I'd send it to my <laughs> teenagers and, and guess what would happen? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, they just put it in the file. Yeah. But sometimes I would get immediate feedback. Sometimes years later, they would mm. say, Hey, dad, can we talk about that? And uh, that was awesome. And so, just that you know, we talked earlier about our conversation about the discipline of right. being a Christian man and the discipline required to be a Jesus follower and the discipline required now being a father right these are important things man and these this letter this letter uh program that i had really helped that's awesome i try to teach men how to do a journal both a prayer journal and just you know kind of a thoughts journal while they're reading their word and uh, i've never thought about you know learning to do that. one of the things that um i learned from a mentor of mine is with their bible what he does is he writes uh journal notes on the side of his bible that every year as he goes through it he gives it to one of his grandkids you know that was as uh, you know he's as he's reading he'll think of his grandkids you know this one specific grandkid and he writes his notes and you know, they, they've got a legacy with them for the rest of their life. But 
I've never thought about just writing letters um, uh, to your kids. What a what a great uh, discipline to do, um, especially if you're a busy man, especially if your kids. I mean, and if you got kids playing sports nowadays, oh, my goodness. I mean, you're you're busy in general. And so what a great way just to get their attention. I think more now you probably have to Snapchat them or Instagram them instead of <laughs> writing with an email. But yeah, no, it's interesting. I think a lot about that. But you mentioned legacy. I think, look, this 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 book, right, is permanent. It's a permanent right. record of our relationship as a family and the things in our that we experience together. Because a lot of these letters, as I mentioned to you, are born from a shared experience that we had. Right. And man, that's permanent record for our family. It's created a legacy for us that they can share with their children and their children's children. So that's that's a meaningful thing. I think as men, you know, we're we're looking for permanence if there is such a thing. And right. this is a way for us to encapsulate that and to share our values and God's words to us in a permanent way with our kids. Right. That's great. How did your kids yeah. feel about you posting these or not posting them, but uh, putting them in a book? Yeah, we had a deep conversations about that, but I think, it, it, I think originally, and of course they're not here, so I can't ask them, but I would say that they're like, sure, dad, whatever first. Cause they had no idea that this thing would be where it is now. And right. now they're like, wow. <laughs> like we're out in the world in a big way. <laughs> yeah, you're, not, you're not getting that back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, a lot of the letters reflect these shared experiences that we had. But look, all families have these experiences. Right. You know, the struggles of every family and, and that's are, are, are very similar. Man, we're all we're all going through hardships. We all have just painful, brutal things that happen in our families. We're all failing each other as families. We're all searching for purpose. We're all, you know, experiencing incredibly hard circumstances we're getting hurt physically and spiritually and mentally and so these common experiences i think should bind families together right, right more than anything and so this book goes through that with our family because when we experience something like this we would talk about it and write about it and right. you know, i think it's interesting the feedback that we get from this book is like wow i went through that and yeah, I can see how we can draw on sometimes hardship to teach values or talk about deepening faith or pull on things, you know, from God's words as it relates to our experiences as a family. Right. Mm, that's good. So how long did you do that? How did long did you write these books or write these letters? Ye years and years and years. And uh, basically during the teenage years of our kids. So remember, we have a 28-year-old, a 26-year-old, and a 20-year-old. So, yeah, this is more than a decade in aggregate right. of doing this. And, um, yeah, some, some look, sometimes it was easier than others. I'm not saying that I churned these out like a book report on a monthly basis. Right, but when, exactly. When something happened and God spoke to me, I would pull on it mm. and send it out. And... And I just encourage dads who are listening to this to start their own program. Mm -hmm. It was such a wonderful tool. And it doesn't have to be this big time-consuming effort, Jody. Right. It could just be on the back of an envelope. As I think about it and, and pray about it more, you know, I, I just recognize that 
I think kids more than anything want our effort as dads. They're not relying on us being Confucius or, you know, Isaiah the prophet or some perfect, you know, replication of, of God on earth. They just want our honest effort. And these letters reflected that. Mm. And all the time as dads we spend with our kids, whether it's just going to a ball game or being focused with that child at dinner or doing the homework or whatever it is, man, that effort is felt Mm. by our kids and it's real and it's powerful and it's meaningful. That is awesome. That is awesome. So do you, um, do you go around and speak or have you been going around and speaking or have you uh, done any conferences or is that kind of in your ballpark at all? Brother, I wish I had time. I mean, that would be a blessing. Um, This is one of those things that I just wish I had more time to devote to it. Right. Uh, But I just don't right now at this point in my life. So I'm doing what I can just in uh, through communities like yours. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about it. I'll, I'll say that the reason it's on my heart to do this is I've seen more than once the power that an engaged father can have in their kids' lives. And I think sometimes as men, we're so distracted with everything else we've got to do. We've got mortgages to pay. We've got bills to, you know, to take care of. We've got mouths to feed. And so we justify our time away from our role as fathers and our time away from our kids easily. We justify it easily. But the reality is there is no more important role that we can play than being that engaged dad who is striving to pour Jesus into our children. Right. Exactly. There's a, there's a statistic out there that, um, that shows, you know, church attendance and then those who give their life to the Lord, the consistency and the, um, the authenticity of, of going to church and being a a Christian. And, um, uh, if a child were to go to church, uh, like say, uh, like a Sunday school and or a vacation Bible school, uh, and they give their life to the Lord, there's a 15% chance that the, the rest of the family will come to church. Mm-hmm. If a wife and her children or a mom and her children come to church, there's a 55% uh, chance that the husband will come with her and even the kids, uh, about a 55% chance. But if a father comes to church and he gets saved and, um, the 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 rest of the family may or may not be there but once the father starts coming nine uh, 93% more likely that the whole family will be at church and so men are extremely important in the lives of the family number 1 and especially important in the lives of the children and we see stats all the time for single family homes and um, single mom homes and how they affect uh, the development of the children. And um, especially when there's a man uh, that is in the home that is leading the home, man, there's just such a, such a good vibe that comes from that such good statistics, such good, you know, so, so much better children out of that. And this is just a simple way just to let your children know that you love them. No, that's so true. And, Look, I think it, it bear the other side of this is terrible too. And that is when you have broken families and when you think about in history, right. you know, when society has deliberately tried to 
break up that family unit, you know, the devastation that's caused through that. Right. Amen. Men have to reflect on that, man. You can look at Nazi Germany or Nazi Germany or the Soviet Union where there was an intentional drive to break that family unit up and the damage that's caused with that. So yeah, hey, to dad's got a man up. I mean, right. don't, right? I mean, this is what your community is about and our roles are to lead our families. And, right. and I think it's important to reflect again that, look, we don't have to be perfect. We are flawed in so many ways, man, um, as men, but we can just get on our knees and lead through that mm-hmm. and be honest with our kids about our failures and shortcomings and we can be, you know, constantly apologizing to them and asking for their forgiveness, but fighting through all that. Right. If we do that well, the outcomes that will result for them and their children and their children's children will be game changing. Mm. Yeah. That, something just came to mind when you were saying that is that you don't have to be perfect to be present. You know, that's, yeah, that's the that's problem for most upset. men is is just they've got to be present um and just and be authentic you know and let them know the struggles you know one of the things that we've done in our family is that uh, if the children see us fight they also see us apologize you know if uh, for some reason we get in an argument they're also going to see us apologize because you know no marriage goes without an argument uh the problem is is most marriages don't know how to argue well nor do they know how to forgive well. And uh, that usually ends up becoming baggage on down the road. My wife and I do enough uh, marriage counseling now to know that there's so many, um, so many people with baggage that not only come into a marriage, but continue to pack those bags during the marriage. And they don't, they don't know how to fight. You know, most people don't realize that they're fighting on the same side, uh, but they, yeah, they want to, as, as uh as a husband and wife they want to fight back to back instead of side by side and um it's uh it's not a good way to uh to have a marriage and our kids need to see that and it's the same thing with our kids um that when we do discipline they also need to know that we love them because of that and uh you teach them uh, you teach them as you go through those processes with them uh, so they know that being in trouble is not a bad thing. Uh, it's just a learning thing is what we're trying to do with them. And I love, you know, these letters, I could imagine that were, there were probably some of those things in there as well. I have not gotten to read the book yet, but I, I'm excited to, uh, to read it. Uh, but I could imagine there were some, you know, maybe some little corrections like, you know, Hey, maybe if you did this a little bit more, maybe I would like to see this or, you know, and, and even encouragement. And that's, that's huge for a kid just to get that kind of encouragement as well. No, I think that's, that's everything you said is exactly spot on, man. And I think what this book tried to do is, is capture those teaching moments, right? All the things that you referenced just now is, especially in, you know, how we relate to one another, um, you know, that's in there and experiences where we can communicate values and, you know, character traits and, you know, the, the importance of 
things like work ethic and perseverance right. and uh, the pursuit of opportunity and you know modeling behavior and the seeking of love all that stuff is in here and all those things are concepts that we as christian men are just desperate to pour into our children right. and we'll take any opportunity to do so and th these letters are just a thoughtful way to try to do that so that's why i'm encouraging other dads to plagiarize the heck out of this book or mm -hmm. start their own um you know tradition of letter writing within their families because i've seen what a powerful tool it has been in ours that's great that's great now do you do any uh, men's studies or bible studies or anything do you have a group of guys that you get together with and um you know just pour into them or, or do you have people pouring into you how does that look in your life yeah so down here where i mentioned to you i'm currently in our place in the north georgia mountains and uh, we love our church down here and we love our men's group in our community so that's been a great outlet for me chicago's tougher i'll tell you that where i live uh it is big city where there's a lot of numbers and a lot of faces but few relationships it feels a little little hectic at times so it's it's different it's different there but here in the mountains man i feel that that community and that uh, a lot more mm, that's good i can imagine you have a lot of wisdom to give to these guys you know sitting around a table and uh, drinking a cup of coffee and and I don't know about you, but when I do those kind of things, I see the struggles that they go through and just how they're not connecting with their kids and how they're not connecting with their wife. And it's just this cyclical effect that they just can't seem to shake. And it usually starts with themselves. Well, I have no, no wisdom to give brother only experience and prayers. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of this with our youngest now being 20. Right. And I know you have uh, 11 year olds in your house. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I can kind of see the faults that I made and maybe talk about how I might do things differently. And that's maybe helpful to folks who are just that's, in the that's middle wisdom, of starting brother. the that's, journey. I don't know, man. It feels no, like that's wisdom. <laughs> wisdom. I always say you learn wisdom one of two ways. You either learn from the mistakes of others or make them yourself. <laughs> And uh, if you can share the mistakes that you made, you may help somebody not make those mistakes themselves. That's pure wisdom, brother. Yeah. And, and look, I think we all has, have tons of regrets. And uh, if we can cut down on those and pray over them and pray that maybe the damage we caused wasn't that, that as much as we thought, that's all good. Right. Amen. Amen. So you said earlier that you have another book coming out. I didn't, and uh, but I, if I have okay. grandkids someday, man, I'd like to have, do letters from a grandfather. Okay, how cool would that be? Oh, that would be awesome. That would yeah. You know, awesome. It's interesting. I get asked a lot, like how how my thought processes have changed, and right. uh, it's it's sort of interesting as we reflect back on our journey as men, and you know, we go kind of from this hot blooded, you know. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, driven, hot blooded, you know, tear down mountains to get after it type mentality to more right. thoughtful. We mellow a little bit. We mature. We recognize the importance of experience. We, as I mentioned to you, you get on your knees more, right. right? You ask for forgiveness more and you slow down a little bit. And, um, I think the lens is different at every stage in our life. And I think there's 
there's there's great wisdom in every age that we experience as a man. But um, I think, yeah, as I get older, Jody, my uh, my reflections definitely change. Mm, totally. Yeah, that's good. I I used to want to I, I, back before I was a Christian, I always said, man, I want to just be an old crotchety old man sitting on my front porch, <laughs> you know, and I'm <laughs> telling little kids to get off my yard. Yeah. And, uh, uh, as I've aged and became a Christian and have the Holy spirit in me, I don't want to be, I want to be, you know, just sharing the gospel, loving on people and, uh, you know, kill over in my wheelchair somewhere as I'm speaking the gospel. So, uh, definitely things definitely soften up and lighten up as you age and, and mature spiritually and, and grow in that. And then, you know, hindsight's always 2020, man, you can look back and go, man, I wish I'd have done this. Okay. Well, I won't do that you know, maybe with the next child or the next grandchild or anything like that. But I think that would be cool uh, for you to, you know, to do that with your grandchildren. I was telling you about a, my mentor who uh, does that in his Bible. He also has a, uh, he's, he's probably in his eighties now, but he, um, he has all of his grandsons and they come over for, a, I think a month or six weeks in the summer and he does theological training with them at the age of 13. And so they're for six weeks. That's kind of their rite of passage, if you will. And then at the end of the six weeks, and he's got like, I don't know, like 20 something grandkids. Mm. And so he does that with the, 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 the boys and his wife does, uh, does it with the girls. And uh, at the end of those six weeks, they all get together, all the families, all the grandkids, all the brothers, sisters, um, all the spouses. And they have um, what he calls, a, I think he calls it the Festival of Lights. And uh, it's a coming of age uh, moment where they've gone through this six week of training and they, you know, just kind of like, you know, give them a Bible and tap them on the head and tell them they love them and all pray around them and stuff like that. So he does a, a, a thing that just, you know, it blows all the kids away and they love everyone. I'm love coming and every kid at the age of 12, man, they can't wait till they turn 13. So they can go stay with Paul for, you know, six weeks. And, um, you know, as I, as I get older, I think of stuff like that. And I can imagine that's probably what you're thinking of later on down the road as well. When you have grandkids. I love that, man. I love hearing about that. And, you know, one of the things that caught my attention when you were talking about this is how these kids are looking forward to that. And right. I think, you know, one thing that we have to be thoughtful about is our kids are thirsty for mm -hmm. time with their, the, the, you know, their fathers and their grandfathers. They're seeking that wisdom and that love and that time and that presence, right? That right. focus by us on them. And you can see it right there. I mean, that gentleman you're talking about sounds like an amazing man, but I'm willing to bet that all of us on this call who are fathers, if we built something like that and we're truly intentional and we want to pour into our kids, our kids would be flocking to us for that. 100%. 100%. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think that you use the word intentional, and that's a great word, is that we have to be intentional uh, with shepherding our kids. Mm. Uh, and, uh, my wife and I were just talking about that. We're in a season right now where just life just kind of got out of hand, you know, just busyness. My first two kids, uh, who are 21 and 20 weren't 
you know, uh, athletes, but they were brainiacs. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the twins that I have now are complete athletes. Like, and not that they're not smart either, but man, they are just busy, uh, from soccer and football, basketball to, 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 uh, wrestling to, you know, all of this stuff. And it's just like, you know, we weren't used to that. And, and it just seems like this season has just been so busy and we have forgotten what we used to do with our older kids, um and and failed a little bit with our younger kids so uh we have uh made a plan and working on that plan to revamp uh, what we're doing and be intentional again with our younger children Uh, our older children we used to do family devotions and um you know my wife you know she didn't do letters but she just write a little scripture on a, a sticky note and put it in you know in their books or whatever and uh we got out of the habit of doing that with our, uh, uh, our younger kids. So I always keep saying they're either going to kill us or keep us young. And I'm good with it. <laughs> <one. laughs> I love so, that. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well said. Well, do you have, um, do you have any thoughts of, uh, of, or has God led you to maybe another book or, um, are you just kind of content where you are right now and just, um, maintain a status quo, so to speak? You know, I've, I've been thinking about it and, um, we do have two married kids. So the grand, the grandchild thing, if we're blessed enough, will come our way at some point. So that might happen sooner rather than later. Um, but you know, look, I think there's nothing wrong with these letters were written to, um, my teenage kids, but (laughs) I think the adult relationship I have now with our children, Mm. that might be a fun thing to do as well. So I've been thinking about that because, you know, I've got two kids who started their professional life and are building their own relationships with their wives. They're thinking about starting families and, you know, they're trying to weave their faith into all that and, you know, launching off in the world with the pressures of paying their own bills and, right. you know, worrying about their own life. And, um, yeah, so I've actually toyed with the idea of starting a, a, a letter, a letter campaign to them again, but we'll that see, man. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's just, uh, I've got I, limited capacity. I understand. Well, that'd be cool. You know, just to, to give them some wisdom of, you know, the worries of the world, you know, don't worry about where this comes from, or don't worry about trying to, you know, be the Joneses and, or beat the Joneses either one, you know, just, just enjoy life and don't sweat the small stuff, so to speak. (laughs) No, that's true. I think, yeah, as I mentioned to you, I was, you know, this kind of relentless striver uh, Mm -hmm. as a younger man. And of course, you and I with our gray hair recognize that it ain't all that anymore. And uh, sometimes the people who live life the slowest are the happiest. Right. Right. So we can definitely uh, pour experience uh, with our gray hair into the next couple of generations for sure. Mm, Amen. I love that. I love that. Well, brother, I tell you what, I know it's, uh, it's getting late where you are. You're, you're on the other side of the, uh, the timeline there. I know you're an hour ahead of me. So, um, uh, with that being said, I think we'll call it a night. And I just want to say thank you uh, so much for being on here tonight. Is there, uh, where can people pick up the book? Well, thank you, Jody. It's been such a blessing to be with you, man. And, um, the book, yeah, if, if folks want to get it, please uh, just pick it up on Amazon or any of the other booksellers. I will say that 100% of the 
the top line of this book goes to charity this oh, year and God. next year it goes to the Chicago Hope Academy, which is a fantastic private Christian high school That's in awesome. one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago. And they are changing the lives of 261 young men and women who would never have an opportunity without that school. So um, we're pleased to give not, you know, every, all I, I cover all the expenses and everything and uh, 100% of the top line goes to this. So folks would be doing a good thing. So just, yeah, search Praise my name God. with letters from a father and it'll come up on any bookseller you want. So is it okay if we post that in our comment section that all proceeds do go to? What's the name of the charity again? It's the Chicago Hope Academy. Hope Academy, awesome. Dude, that yeah, is please awesome. do, Jody. Yeah, that please do. Awesome. All right. Any last thoughts? Any last words, Alan? No, just the remembrance that for the dads out there, man, that their time matters, their words matter, their intention matters with their kids. And man, just try to focus on that first uh, more than anything and recognize the importance of that in their lives right now. Mm, praise God. Praise God. Well, again, Alan, it has been a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I can't wait to get your book and to, to thumb through that really quick. And I know it's going to be a good read and I can't wait to read your letters. I hope it gives me some kind of spark to be able to connect again with my kids. And uh, I thank you for all that you do. I'm looking forward to it. Dodie, thank you so much. Blessings to you and your team and uh, your ministry. Praise God, brother. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching Man Up God's Way podcast. Again, tomorrow you can catch it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Podomatic. Uh, make sure that you subscribe so you can catch all of our episodes. Again, next Monday, 8 o'clock, we'll have another guest, and we are excited. God bless you guys, and have a Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.